Hey guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, the sound quality on this interview with Ashley is not the greatest. Um, the, my computer was acting up, and that's why you hear that little wind in the background. I, just, I, I think it was almost ready to blow up. So uh, I do apologize for the sound quality, but I hope you guys do listen to this uh, interview. Uh, she's an amazing person, and uh, I had a lot of fun uh, interviewing her and asking her a couple questions about her life. So, And I hope you guys enjoy too. All right, have a good one. What's going on, guys? This is the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. Uh, I have a special guest with me. Uh, she is a professional volleyball over, a volleyballer overseas, uh, an avocado toast connoisseur, and also a fellow type 1 diabetic. So I would love to introduce you guys to Ashley Askins. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Oh, no problem. Well, I'm glad we connected. So I remember when I first met you, when you actually hit me up on Instagram because you are a Georgia Tech alum. And she was like, you were like, I can't believe, you know, I didn't, they didn't see you, you know, or didn't meet you. So, yeah. yeah. That would have been so cool um, to, like, connect when I was in college at GT because, you know, I lift all the time, work out all the time, being a top volleyball athlete. So it was really cool to see you doing that in Atlanta where, you know, I spent four years of my life doing that. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually a transplant from Georgia. So I'm originally from Massachusetts and we moved down here. So mainly the story is, so my wife's from Georgia, she's from Alpharetta, and so when we got married, she says, when we have kids, we're moving down south, and I really didn't believe her, and now I have two kids, and I'm down in Georgia right now, so, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, so so, um, I'd love to dive into your story of, like, when you got diagnosed, and, you know, you getting into the volleyball, uh, going going into volleyball professionally, so uh, when did you first get diagnosed? and my family, and they only let one person come with me. They wouldn't let my mom for some reason, so she wasn't with 
rolling. And so they kept stabbing me and stabbing me and stabbing me. And I just remember laying there like, what is going on? Where's my family? Just like crying and scared out of my mind because I'm seven years old alone yeah. in a hospital. Um, and so they finally got the IV to me. And um, during that process, I passed out because I'm just like so scared. Don't know what's going on. I just like pass out. I wake up, I have an IV like on both arms, both um, hands, the bottom of my feet, the back of my ankle. Like they were... So for me, I got diagnosed when I was 34, a month before my 35th birthday. And so I used to work at a children's hospital. I used to work in their ER. And um, a lot of people know this, like in my story. But uh, so there was this one girl that was five years old. She got diagnosed with diabetes, and her mom was like crying hysterically because she thought it was a death sentence. And so, you know, I walked in there and I said, you know, what up, die buddy? And just gave her a high five. And like she was like, she had no idea what she was doing. And then I told the mom, like, my story and. You know, everything's going to be fine, especially working at the children's hospital that I was working at. They have a, like a, a fantastic, like, floor that's just basically all, di- like, a diabetic floor. So, and they have, like, the best staff. And so I was pretty much telling everybody, like, you know, everything's okay. And if there's always a new diabetic that comes into the emergency room, I always walk in and just, like, you know, tell them my story and, you know, try to make it a little bit better and, you know, just try to calm them down because it's not really a death sentence it's just like a whole it's a it's a new shift on, in life but you just yeah. need to you know just i don't know just move on from it you know just to just try to get better and so Yeah. And for family too, because you know it's not just the person who's diagnosed; it's the whole family who has to learn, you know, how to take care of you, and you know, if this happens, what do you do, and stuff like that. So that's that's really good. Yeah, and then it, yeah, with that with that five year old, that's how I started Type One Lifting the Shirt Company, because I yeah. thought I needed to do a little bit more. Because when everyone talked to me, they're like, "Oh, you're so fit!" Like, you're not a diabetic. How are you a diabetic? You're so fit. And it's like, no, it's, it's, it's a lot different. There's like two different ones and like all that stuff. And it's all mainly the shirt was, 
yeah, the main the main of the shirts just for just letting everybody know, like, hey, you know, there's two different types of diabetes, and like, you can be fit, and you know, even though you do have this disease, you can do amazing things like yourself, what you're doing. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, so how did you get into the whole volleyball thing? Very cool. So when when you were do, when the, the whole recruiting process, now did were some colleges like really like nervous about like recruiting you because you were diabetic or were there any issues with that or? I looked at 
what I was so scared of. I was like, no one's going to want to sign me if I have diabetes. My thought was always, if, if it's me versus another girl, they're going to choose her every time because she doesn't have diabetes. That was, I was just always scared of it. So mm-hmm. with the recruiting process, I would go on these visits and I would go to their campus and do all these things, but it wasn't until that they offered me a scholarship that I would look that I would be like, okay, well, you know, I have diabetes. Like, I wanted to, like, make it to the end before I brought it up, which, looking back, it didn't make a difference having diabetes or not. It was my own fear about it, but, yeah, that's kind of how I handled it. I don't know if it was the best way, but, yeah, it worked out, worked out for the best. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you're t- talking, like, when you were just talking about being, you know, afraid and nervous about, like, you know, being a diabetic, when did that kind of, like, stop for you? And you're able to like talk more about it and be like more vision, like you know, me more out in the open about it. Okay, this is gonna sound really weird, but it wasn't until I got my first boyfriend in high school, which is so weird because I, I don't know, in the back of my head, I was always like, no one's gonna like me if I have diabetes. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and when I got my first boyfriend, he didn't care that I had diabetes and actually thought it was kind of cool. That's when I like got that confidence and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like people like me and I have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, it's it's everyone everyone opens up differently compared to like other people. So, I mean, with me, I think it was just me with that five year old girl, just like you know, talking about it, and then like finding my coworkers in the emergency room. They already know what diabetes is, so they always give me like flack about it. So it's a joke, like joking around about it, and I joke back. So that kind of helped out a little bit too. So, but I think that five year old definitely was a huge stepping point for me as well. So, I mean, I've injected out in the open, and I've ha- I've heard people go, ooh you know and stuff like that and so and you know and I'm always open to talking to anybody about diabetes too just to like you know get my point of view on it and like see what see where they at where where they are at you know talking about diabetes and stuff so I mean it's it's good for people to know so that it was I knew that I needed to like speak up for myself but you're also 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, again, with Georgia Tech, looking back, I learned I need to be an advocate for myself and stand up for myself if my blood sugar is too low or too high, but I definitely did not do that when I was at Georgia Tech. I was always just trying to, like, fight through things and just stay on the court as long as possible because I thought I would be reliable and, you know, I could be consistent in that sense, but you have to speak up and you have to say, hey, my blood sugar is low, I need to sit out, or hey, this is what's going on, I need to, you know, rest, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So so now for college, so when you went to Georgia Tech, so what did, what was college like being a diabetic? Because obviously I am definitely didn't get it when I was in college, so I really don't know the experience at all, so. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. So college, learned a ton. So I came from Louisville, Kentucky, you know, but not even from Louisville. I'm from like a smaller area called um, Oldham County. And so coming to Atlanta itself was a huge difference walking a lot more, um, being in the sun a lot more, which, again, those things affect your blood sugar on its own. Like, I learned very quickly, when I'm walking around all day, my blood sugar tanks. <laughs> so, um, that, and then being on your own, and then having all this social interaction, and then partying, and, like, things that I didn't do in high school, things that, like, I wasn't sure, was, I didn't know how to, you know, control that with blood sugars and stuff like that. Um, and again, jumping into playing volleyball at the highest level, you're, you don't know how your body is going to react to lifting and, and sprinting and doing all these things every single day at the highest level. And like being up at 5 a.m. every day and then not going to bed until like 11 and all these things. So again, Georgia Tech, it, it was the hardest time of my life, but I learned <laughs> so much. Yeah. Now, were you, were you on the pump at the time that Georgia Tech or I, were you were you on like any device at all or just um, injections? I have never done the pump. Yeah, I've always done injections, but my sophomore, no, it was my freshman year. Um, I actually started doing the Dexcom because my trainer was like, you know, we need to be able to see. And there was another boy, there's the quarterback at the time. He actually had type 1 diabetes. Um, and so me and him, the trainers would often compare us, which again, He's a guy. I'm a girl, so I have a whole different like hormones and stuff you mm-hmm. know, going on. So it's it's not a good, it's not straight comparison, and it was kind of hard for me because my blood sugars would go up and down all the time. And for him, he was a lot more steady, and that was something that the trainers would always kind of be like, "Well, that's doing good. You know, what's going on with you?" And whatever. So he was on the next con. My trainer was like, "Hey, you should get on it too because we can see your blood sugars. You know, other people can see your blood sugars, um, which helped a ton." actually at the time I was against it because I didn't want everyone to always know what's going on with me I don't know I kind of like having a bit more freedom and not having to always explain like why my blood sugar is this or what's going on and um so I was a little bit against it at the time but my blood sugars were so much better when I was on that for sure yeah I can imagine yeah definitely now uh for for like working out wise, so what was your typical like workout program like off season and on season? Okay, so I'll break it down into three segments. It was basically like three seasons. So summer, we went to summer school every year because we're we're a fall sport. So summer is where you really gotta like make sure you're good going into the season. Um, so in the summer, we would have open gyms every day, which is essentially practice without the coaches. Um, Make sure your skills are up and stuff. Um, so we would do open gym every day, and we would 
was. Um, and then once the season started, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every, okay, so you would you'd have workouts Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, no, no, Monday. Okay, in season it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think you would work out in the morning, have class from eight to two, three ish, practice from like three to six, and then after practice you would go to you know have dinner. From there you would do tutoring, depending on what your schedule was, depending on your classes, tutoring until about like nine, ten ish. Come home, do your homework, whatever. Wake up the next morning have weights again, 8 a.m., so that was in season, um, which we didn't lift heavy during season, it was more like maintenance, making sure that um, you're not going to be injured and stuff like that, and then out of season, spring season, oh my goodness, that was always the worst time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hated spring, Um, because during season, you would take the easy classes, you'd have the lightest amount of hours, classes, you want to be ready for games and stuff like that. In the springtime, you had all your classes, you take your hard classes, and you'd be up at 5 a.m. every single day for um, heavy lifting and sprinting, which was the worst. I hated that. Um, <laughs> and then you'd go to class from 8 to 3, practice 3 to 6, tutoring. So you'd be up. It's the same thing. You would just be up at 5 a.m. every single day. And it just, it was, it would be terrible on my blood sugars because in the morning, for me, my blood sugars spike up, like when I wake up, it's all your hormones and all that stuff, like just waking up on its own. Yeah, the dawn effect, yeah. Yeah, and then lifting raises your blood sugar as well, so we wake up at five, we'd be lifting at six, lifting heavy, and then sprinting, again, was another thing that made my blood sugars go crazy. So I would be lifting, I'd be sprinting, I'd be up in the morning, my blood sugars would be like 400 sometimes, and it was so, yeah, I remember would always so we would lift the first hour and then by the so halfway through I would always check to see like what's going on um and it would usually be around like 250 halfway through I would do insulin and I wouldn't eat before these things because I was just trying to do everything I could to keep my blood sugars down I would do insulin by the time we got to the sprints my my blood sugars would be around like 300 maybe 400 but I didn't I wouldn't necessarily feel like it was a bad high I knew it was because of the lifting and stuff but as soon as we started running, that's when you feel like you're running with like sandbags on because your body is just so tired and man, that was that was the hardest. And then when we would finish, so I'd go to class at 8 a.m. I would almost always like fall asleep in class because my blood sugar would just tank. Like I would be like 50 after that, and it was just it was a bad cycle of being super high all morning, tanking, and then the rest of the day playing catch up to try to get my blood sugars to be okay in time for practice. So. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's that's crazy. Like that schedule, because I, I play college sports, but it wasn't like D one, so it's not like, a, it's not like a full time job. But they were trying to make it like a full time job, and it's like, guys, it's like D three. Just chill out a little bit. So, but yeah, it's you, you guys are like super busy. So, um, so when when you got so when did you start going pro, or when did you get like people like wanting to talk to you about maybe going overseas and playing? Stop having 
not lifting every day and stuff. So, like, my measurements had, like, gotten a lot smaller. And they were like, hey, you know, your your measurements aren't what, aren't what we're looking for anymore. You know, we're going to move in a different direction. So I was kind of heartbroken because I didn't have – I put all my eggs in the basket. You know, like, I was, like, modeling. This is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have any jobs lined up because I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go all into this, like, whatever. So that happened. And I remember I'm, like, back home in Kentucky, like, at my parents' house, like, what am I doing? You know, I, I don't have a job. I need you know, now modeling isn't, it's not what I thought was going to happen, and I don't have a plan B. And um, two days later, um, the coach in England reached out to me on Facebook, actually. She sent me a message and was like, hey, you know, do you want to come to England and play for our team, play professional, and you can also get a master's while you're here, and you know, talked it up to me a lot, and I was like, you know, I don't have a plan B, and this sounds pretty good to play professional volleyball and get my master's degree, like, maybe I should do this, and this was in late August, and by this time, the other girls were already there, and there was a deadline, so I had one week to decide if I was going to go to England, and I was sitting there, and I was like, why not, you know, let's let's do this, let's see what it's about, Um, and I had full support from my parents, they're like, you know, do it, this is the time of your life to go overseas and do these things, so... I made a complete switch of my life, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, going to play volleyball again. Um, so I, I had one week to get everything ready, and, you know, then you're applying to get your visa, and um, I, I had to, like, apply to get into the college and the master's program and everything. So it was, like, all this stuff back to back to back. I make it to England, I think, like, the first week in October. I missed um, the whole preseason with the team. I missed all that stuff. I just jumped right into the very first day of school. Like I made it right in time for the very first day of class. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I got to England. And then playing in England, it kind of like gave me a rebirth of volleyball. And I was like, this is so fun. Like it was a whole other. Because in in college, it was just it was very very tough and it was very draining. That I kind of didn't find it as fun when I was there. But coming to England, I was like, this is so fun. This is awesome. Da, da, da. And then. Um, from there, I was like, I want to keep playing, and then that's how I got to France, and yeah, so it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So the team you're playing on now is the, I, I was trying to find the pronunciation to this because I was actually Google searching it. So is is it Le Louvs? Le Louvs. Yeah. Okay, all right, I, I was close. Yeah. So um, so you played for a, a year in England, then moved over to Italy, or how did that work? Yeah, and so this was was this your first year playing with them, or? Yes. Okay, and then you got cut short, obviously, with the, you know, COVID nineteen and stuff like that. So with with being a diabetic overseas, what what is there? What was life like that? Like, did people still get a better understanding compared to here, or what was that like? So England and France were two very very different experiences in a sense of in England there was no language barrier, so that was a blessing. That was easy for me. Um, biggest difference was just the healthcare system in general. Everything was free. I just remember going to the pharmacy and like getting my insulin 
have the vocabulary for that, and I didn't have the French for that, so you have to really, really dumb things down and simplify things, even though that might not be what's actually happening. So it was hard for me to say, like, hey, my blood sugar is low, um, or even just kind of distinguish, like, this is a really, really bad low, this is a good low, and this is what happens when I'm high, or whatever. Um, so that was really, really hard for me, because I just remember... Yeah, so so are you planning to go back there ne uh, next year or like whenever? Like, how long is the season typically for like a volleyball player, like so, that was not in COVID nineteen? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, were you gonna like, or, like, team up with them next year at all, or sign a contract oh. with them? So what was the, was it like, with like lifting wise for your season, was it like maintenance phase, like kind of like, you know, lightweight, high reps, or like what was the, what was the workouts like? Yeah. 
Yeah, ten, 10 months is very, very long, especially playing a sport. So, yeah, that's that's crazy. So, what is what do you think your next? What do you think you're going to be doing next, pretty much, okay. after volleyball? So, uh, at, at Georgia Tech, I actually I started off in engineering, and then I was in industrial engineering, and then I switched to business because I I realized I'm really good at speaking with people. I'm good at talking to people, so I switched to business. I did marketing. Um, when I got my master's degree, I did entrepreneurship. That was my focus. Um, but with my skill set and stuff, I I, I want to get um, I want to get some business experience under my belt before I dive into like starting my own business. That's a goal of mine later down the road. But I again, I need to learn a lot more. Um, but at this point, I'm thinking consulting or sales because again, I'm good at like problem solving. I'm, and I'm good at talking to people and like being active and stuff like that. So I think sales and consulting are my two top ones right now. Yeah. yeah. So that a little little fun fact for me is I actually do roofing sales part time, and so I like knock on random people's doors to ask if they want me to check their roof out, and so that is a huge help. That was a huge help for me with like sales pretty much because. You know, in the beginning, I was like super nervous and stuff, but I would not even like, I wouldn't even fathom like doing that. But then you realize I'm like, okay, well, I got two kids back at home. I got the wife, I got my, my wife back at home. You know, we kind of need a little bit of money. So, you know, got to do it. And so I just take a nice deep breath in, knock on the door. And then, you know, some people would say like, no, or, you know, get off my property or I shoot you or, you know, all that stuff. But like, yeah, that was, I think that was a huge help for me. Just like going out there and just doing it. So for like the in the for sales wise so and even with the shirts like i always like try to like, i don't try to sell everybody but i just tell them like you know what the shirt's all about and like you know tell them the story and you know make sure they completely understand so yeah so, that's yeah. so important too just being able to like step out of yourself and you know introduce yourself and talk to people that you don't know and that was something that i think my experience being overseas you're in a different country you don't know anyone like are over there by yourself so you have to force yourself to meet people and make friends otherwise it's really really lonely it's really isolating so again with like jumping into sales or consulting now that I've been overseas and I've had to do that on my own for so long I, I, I do feel very comfortable like just calling someone up and like hey you know my name's Ashley this is my story this is me so yeah definitely definitely understand that yeah very cool very cool now um so now we're getting towards the end. So what would you want to tell people about diabetes and like, you know, just want to get your thought on, you know, how to pretty much let them under, like understand better what your, what your diabetes is. Okay. I think about this all the time because I'm like type one and type two are completely different. I, I'm always like there needs to be a rebranding of type one diabetes because they are not the same. Um, Like, this is not something that 
Okay. Yeah, if you manage it well, because I've seen some yeah. bad cases. So, especially working in the ER, I see some really bad cases that kids just don't care, which is shocking. So, but yeah. yeah. And last yeah, thing, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, actually, one of my coworkers, her her daughter got became a diabetic, and and like I, she would always ask me questions and stuff about like diabetes, and now it's to the point with her. She's I think she was like eight or nine, I think, and she's like injecting herself and like doing everything. She's like, Mom, I got it. Don't worry about it. Like I and like she's like an absolute pro on it, and like it was just from like learning and understanding from her parents and like other people that like she could do it herself, and she has no this this girl has no fear, which is hilarious. So. Which is awesome, and she's always like proud about like being that not proud of it being diabetic, but like always talking about it. So, which is pretty cool. And last question: Why do you like avocado toast so much? So have you tried the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel? Yes, yes, that's what we use. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Stuff's so good. So, all right, awesome. So um, where can people reach you or find you or, you know, and ask you any questions at all? She's very good at responding back, people. Trust me. See, I, I've sent her messages. And she's pretty quick to respond back, so which is awesome. But thank you very much, Ashley, for having for being on my podcast. I, it truly means a lot, and I'm very grateful for connecting with you as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for asking me. This is, this is a pleasure.
All right, well, have a good one. Thank you.